podcast is fueled by Fireball. Is it so? It is fueled by Fireball. And this podcast is called the Real Life Rockstars Podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Mike. And for those who don't know, we always do a little bit of an introduce of ourselves. Uh, we run the Mike James Rock Show and have done for the last 12-ish years. Almost. Yep. Um, these days, um, it's a show literally based around uh, promoting new music from all corners of the heavy um, industry. So we talk to a lot of people. Um, and we decided that uh, we'd do a podcast. Uh, for those who are only listening to this one as the first one, decided to do a podcast all around the conversations that we have behind um, sort of the curtain of the industry. So yeah. things that have come out of press areas, uh, green rooms, um, dustbin stores. Um, Toilet cubicles. Yeah, tour buses. Um, stood at the back of a festival uh, with people uh, just chatting away. We we thought for a long time that there's some really helpful conversations out there that we can be having with people. And so we decided um, to try and do them. We've been ticking off various things after this. We've done a couple of big ones with PR companies so far. The last one was rather popular. Uh, yes. Um, I believe that's because we drilled down into some very helpful information. Um, yeah. And I guess because uh, we are a radio show that's known for promoting new bands and new music, then yeah. they're the kind of PR that's more appealing to those, whereas the podcast number two yes. was about bands with PR, uh, with PR that are very well established and, yeah. and uh, you know are coming back to play at download this year quite high up on the bill exactly like we um, and different the, kind of we're going at it for different thing. angles yes. because um, you know we have always supported everybody uh, from grassroots uh, all the way up to you know your um, stadium fillers <laughs> and, uh, fellas, then. <laughs> stadium fellas no uh, stadium fillers um, whilst, those chaps <laughs> whilst uh, if you are a huge band that stumbled across our podcast you probably want to be listening to the Jamie Jaster podcast because <laughs> 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 uh, his uh, podcast is a massive inspiration shout out to Mr Jamie Jaster go check out everything this guy does um, if you want to um, look into like sort of paid meet and greets that are really really worth your while Jamie sets the bar for that. He's got fantastic merch. His podcast has got, you know, a bazillion episodes of pure awesome. It's almost 500 he's done that. Yeah, um, he's got various uh, sort of side uh, ones like that, like uh, metal guys doing non-metal things. <laughs> um, and also you've got the um, Jester, um, what's it, uh, just Jamie Jester is his side project? Oh, it's a solo band. Yeah. It's just Jaster. Just Jaster as well as Hatebreed. But if you want to hear um, sort of some of the trials and tribulations that Hatebreed have gone through, if you want to just search his episode list for a band member that you like, that's essentially how Mike got me into it years and years ago. He's like, Dan, you do realise that you know, Matt Tuck from Bullet For My Valentine is sitting here talking about things that you're going to want to listen about. And then that got me into the ones of bands which I wasn't particularly into. And he's like most of the people that we shout out on this one. He, uh, he always has good content. But it was the helpful stuff and the nerdy stuff that really appealed to us. Mm. Um, and uh, finding out like how people did it. And he takes it from a really good angle of being, as we say, in a big band that has big band issues. We are not in a big band. But we do have that cross-genre ability to talk to people and make things relevant. And one thing that we found in talking to these interviews is always the surprising references that we can present our guests with are going well did you know that this band that you probably have never toured with actually had the same issue and they got this solution to it or whatever the case may be 
Yeah, we are in a kind of unique position, aren't we? Yes, so we're trying to <laughs> capitalise on that for the benefit of everybody out there that not, you know, not necessarily needs to learn the lessons that um, we obviously think you do, but um, wants to learn more from a couple of guys that... It's just life hacks. Yes, and we're 100 and, you know, a bazillion percent um, independent. We run our radio show with our own money. We're out there for 12 years doing this with our own money. In fact, the only thing that me and Mike have ever actually done is lose money. Um, we worked <laughs> oh, out yes. a while back, even when we did promotions, even with every uh, string of you know, uh, revenue that comes in from the project of Mike James Rock Show, across a year and across the 12 years, we have only lost money. Uh, because we love what we do. And you know, we love being able to go to festivals. We love the community that we're part of as uh, press agents. And, you know, so... Um, we're not here looking for, and that's uh, the guest uh, um, of the intro uh, just saying hello there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, we, um, we're not complaining. We're not looking for sympathy for the fact that we haven't made money. The only reason that we mention it is so that you guys know that this comes from a place of understanding. The reason that we're doing this is because we've had people like the ones that we featured already um, in the previous episodes of um, the Real Life Rockstars podcast. We've had people help us be able to carry on give us a few, a few tricks and hints so mm. this is us that's probably the longest intro i've ever done i think you got there though. yeah i got there in the end oh and i got it on the list to make sure i never i didn't actually forget this you have a list i have a list right so we've done our hellos but first thing i do want to do is just shout out um emma uh, van dykes like tights um and matt heyday the van heydays as they are now known, because two of our favourite people from the industry have just got married. Oh, that was lovely, wasn't it? And star-studded. Mm. Like, they, their, their guest list was pure fire. Um, but no, the, the pictures that are coming out of their camp is absolutely lovely. And these guys have been, you know, 100% fans and supporters of us from day one. We did our second podcast with Emma. And we're just so happy because um, whilst we're doing the podcast, Emma was showing us the proposal video. Um, that are so, nice. so cute. Um, they've been doing like, and their social media has been the sweetest thing to look at recently. Um, and I, they've been getting excited about it on their podcast. Exactly, well. <laughs> and that's why we wanted to try to shout them out on our podcast because if you're into sort of a cross between, um, you know, experienced music personnel uh, from the industry, um, savagely funny banter. Like the banter on that podcast is just art. Oh, it's unbelievable. And it is loosely based around films. Yes. Um, <laughs> and they do like film clubs and they review new ones. I'm yet to actually, at the point of us recording this podcast, I'm yet to hear their Joker podcast. Oh. But I cannot wait uh, for that one. So that's why I wanted to shout those guys out because fellow podcasters been a massive help to everything that we do and it's been so wholesome to watch how mm. happy they are so yeah that's that's them um what have we been up to me i've been working i've been working non-stop um I've... in horrendous storms and same pretty mm. much uh, we, my we... high vis is still high vis but it's it's a bit murky oh um, i'm getting my high vis uh customized Yes, but that's that's you, isn't it? Yes, I, um, you're, <laughs> you're not allowed to get yours uh, customised because it's, uh, it's more, already got the company name. I was going to say yours is far more official than mine. Blazing across it. Yeah, I know. Uh, high voltage customs are giving me a high vis jacket makeover, uh, which is hilarious, mouse. Um, but I, I'm really happy about that. Okay, well, so you've done some gigs. I have done some gigs. Um, I did Lindsay Sterling at Hammersmith Apollo which for me was just pure crack. 
Like, I've seen the footage. I, I, w- I have loved Lindsay Sterling since I was introduced to her when she really shatter me with Lindsay Hale. Sorry, it's called what? Shatter me. Oh. Not, not, <laughs> n- not, not um. shat on me. Dude. I haven't seen those videos. No. Christ. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Um, so, well, especially since the lyric to the song is um, "Somebody make me feel alive and shatter me." <laughs> so, somebody made me feel alive and shat on me. <laughs> um, Whatever you're into. But no, massive shout out to uh, Martha F. Photo for um, the pass on that one for me. Um, we did a little combo deal with a photographer across two days. First day was Lindsay Sterling. She got us in. Uh, big shout out to Ramsey for that as well, actually. Um, and to Noise Cartel for setting the um, whole thing up. Saw Don A there from Noise Cartel. That was lovely. Uh, but no, it was um, fantastic. Honestly, I love uh, dubstep violin. Um, and I love Lindsay Sterling. And she's got real positive things to say um, on stage. Uh, she's got just, yeah. It, if you get a chance to see her or see a live stream of it or something like that, I 100% recommend it. Then we drove back to Exeter. Um, and then drove up to Bristol the next day um, to go um, do an interview uh, with Killswitch Engage. Uh, yes, you do. Thank you for organising that, Mike. And shout out to... Um, damn, my brain is failing me right now. The person that did that interview for us? You. Joel, and who set that one up? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Well, Joel was the person from the band, but my brain always fails well, that me. That was Ollie. Ollie. Yes. So thank you, um, Ollie from AC. Uh, promotions. Also, shout out to AC Promotions for liking a picture of mine on Instagram the other day. That made me feel special. Yeah, but they've um, only just got their Instagram. Yeah, no, they're, but... they're newer to it than me. <laughs> <laughs> well, give them some pro tips. Um, you created your own hashtag, so... I did. No, uh, thank you to Ollie for that. Ollie's, um, again, a massive supporter and a massive player um, in the PR side of the industry. Um, so his support um, has been fantastic and... Um, yeah, I had a lovely chance to uh, reconnect with Joel after five years of not interviewing him. Um, and he, he did, did he that, feel left out? Well, no, he did that thing of not realising who I was until a couple of minutes into the interview, and then you see the recognition come into the eyes, and they're like, oh, I remember this twat. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you can go see that on any of our platforms. It's out on our YouTube, Facebook, and IGTV, um, all underneath the name of Mike James Rockshow. Um, and then... They absolutely slayed the O2 in Bristol. Um, like Jesse's voice is... like I can see why they've recorded Atonement the way that they have, because it's the closest album they've got to the way that Jesse's voice sounds live, and I think that's really, like, just a really good um, thing that they've done, because he sounds awesome on the album. But now, rather than uh, sort of... He always said that he, like with the switching vocals, his cleans were never the same, and there's been a whole big thing over passion over perfection that he did with Jamie Jaster and stuff like that um, and I do believe that they chose to do a slightly more because he's done that whole journey after blowing out his voice as well mm. um, is I think um, Atonement sounds the way it does because Jesse sounds that way live and that's been a not that he was necessarily too far away from it before but as a like huge Kill Switch fan you could be like okay no the, the cleans are because he he absolutely every every single lyric is done at a hundred percent like sort of volume and passion so um yeah it's been for me the, really nice to see him back out on tour after uh, the problems with his voice and see that he's nailing it like 
his stage presence, the way that he gets the crowd to interact, the fact that they get Adam D to do some of the more official announcements, and oh, it, like, the whole thing just works uh, these days. So that's uh, that's the gigs I've been up to. And I've been working. And you've been working. <laughs> okay, so um, I got two things on uh, the catch-up bit uh, based on stuff. So name a band uh, that you've been getting into. Um, Ice Nine Kills. Ice Nine Kills, um, which really I should be into because of their style. But um, I don't know. I, maybe I've I've not hit that mood with them because I like them. But I've not like sat there and done an album listen with them yet. Okay. So I'm waiting for the moment where I hear a track of Ice and I'm like, nope, now's the time to because I did it with Any Given Day the other day, and I was like, yeah, no, Any Given Day's album stuff is good, but I do like just the singular tracks. Yeah, well, it kind of followed on after I've been really getting into horror. Mm. It's that same sort of sound, so I'm like happy with that. My band um, is one I picked up a few weeks back off of the show. Because uh, that does happen, where uh, we pick up bands because um, we play them on the show, and that's Dayseeker. Oh, I'm really okay. into Dayseeker's uh, voice. They've done a cover of um, "Hello" um, by Adele, and it's better than uh, "Sorry Boys," but Fame on Fire's version because they do that big chorus at the end that I love. Um, and uh, for anybody that cares, I am now starting to really work on uh, my next thing. Be um, after all of this, which will. Uh, uh, mate, uh, Mike will. Uh, it's no, no, nothing new to Mike, but I am starting to work on my covers list um, of uh, divas that I want to uh, do cover vocal uh, videos uh, for. Is that because Cher has been in the UK this week? Um, Cher is actually on the <laughs> list, uh, but no, I, I think I may have found one song um, that I can't actually do because the reason why I do all of this is because I can sing absurdly high um, and mimic incredibly well. Not, I can't do accents whilst I'm talking. But give me somebody's vocals and I can mimic them really well. Not first time, I've got to practice. But um, I think I may have found one that's actually beyond me at the moment. So once uh, I'm not, like, well, I've got a cold right now. Once I don't have a cold anymore, I'm going to be nailing that. So um, more about that as, an, uh, as time progresses. But it's our podcast, we can talk about what we like. Um, <laughs> right, so um, this is an interesting one that I thought, I'm sorry that I'm going to make you talk about this again. Because we only actually covered this about half an hour, 45 minutes ago. Um, but I thought it was an interesting note to cover. So I was in a conversation with somebody locally about this podcast, about advice, about everything. And I was clarifying why it's really important to know what PRs do. Okay. And he was saying to me, well, um, you know, call me old fashioned, but I'm, I still would, you know, um, if the music's good enough, um, surely that PR should be approaching the bands and like sort of, uh, saying that we want to invest our time in you and all of this sort of stuff. And I had to explain to him, that is an old-fashioned record deal that you're thinking of with that concept. And one, very few companies are um, in a position where they can go out and sign up things that aren't already being serviced. Mm. So very few record companies will actually um, have the ability to sign up a completely unknown band. You don't have talent scouts roaming local venues anymore. No, not really. In the same way that Bullet got signed up in the early days. Um, yeah, nowadays A&R is sort of like looking out like who's trending on social medias, who's like, who they're playing, what their kind of figures are like getting even like local bands. Exactly. You know, are they filling their local band venues or are they, uh, yeah. you know, 
are they just local band famous or are they playing out and getting around and are they regionally are they, famous yeah um, the, it's the difference for us are um, they, yeah are they getting YouTube views is yeah. there interaction on their social media well shout out to two bands that we've worked with one for a shorter time than the other obviously but it's the difference between being regionally famous or locally to regionally famous in that bracket which is bunch of absolutely awesome hard-working guys called in fear they follow mm. they're quite local to us regionally local i'd say um and you know they they've they work incredibly hard they've got a really good in-house photographer um and they're just again lovely guys and um, that are currently slogging it um getting that regional popularity getting that turning up all the time and what their next move would be and i think you might agree with me on this is to try and turn themselves into our hollow our home Shout out to those guys as well. So our Hollow Our Home are just turning regional popularity into national popularity with the mm. help of Public City PR and Avocado Bookings. Yeah. And if you look at what's happening with their social media recently, um, they've done a really awesome pre-new track launch of Parting Gift, the video, which was really good. Um, and like they're um, just they're nailing that. But then they dropped a brand new track. And the popularity is like this is why working with a PR is great because they will tell you how to drop things, they'll tell you when to drop things, and it's working. These guys' um, releases are getting bigger and bigger because they are working with a PR. Now, looping that back into what I was saying before, is PRs will not approach you people. Like, yes, you might get um, somebody like Public City approach you once you're on second album with a PR deal, but you've got to work with somebody like Hold Tight. Shout out to Incendia, shout out to Domino, shout out to Crisis, uh, Metal Coffee. Mm. There's so many um, PRs that will get you started out there, and we're going to talk to them. We're going to find out what their like, sort of uh, wish list of uh, stuff that they will get you to do. We've spoken to Incendia uh, Media before, because Lulu, um, wonderful human being, um, did an interview with us uh, for the show. Um, but normally, when you're getting somebody of public cities level looking they're not trying to take you away from another PR but they're looking at people who um, are you know that sort of level that they've already had a couple of deals and essentially it's a higher service you hire a PR uh, company to do a campaign or if you've had a couple of decent campaigns with them and they offer a publicist role where they permanently do your PR for you that's when you can go down that route yeah, yeah. but the problem is is PRs are approached by so many bands it's a bit like us on the show they're approached by so many people they ain't got no time to be looking uh for people you know they they really don't uh, you've got to approach them and they you know we've got hold tight to say that they are happy with people contacting them from informal chat but bands please remember that you're you could be um releasing the 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 most decimatingly brilliant fire um uh, sort of five track ep thing that the world has ever seen but if you don't have people that know how to get it to the places that people will listen to it, no other reason it's not you selling out, it's just making sure that in the modern world it's being put to the right place. That's exactly it. You will never get it listened to by the people you're hoping will notice you, okay? It's not me having a go, this is me trying to use this podcast as a way that we clear up the information why we're doing this. So you hire your PRs to get that noticeability to get the people that have the money left in the industry the record PRs um, sorry the record deals with PRs that sort of thing they will only notice you if you're being served up to the right places so there's not a lot of labels that are all in house now I'm thinking yeah. like Spine Farm and uh, Nuclear Nuclear Blast yeah. Roadrunner do a little bit but a lot of that is outsourced as well so 
And Roadrunner are largely only taking on American acts and have been since the demise of the bigger <clears throat> company. Yeah. So it's, it is. It's all changed. Yeah. Do your homework. Know, know what you're going after as well. Like I said, trying to um, talk to this uh, fella, lovely guy, by the way, not going to name, name check him, but lovely dude, um, was... Uh, the problem was was trying to get him to understand that I wasn't criticising him at all for having the wrong um, end of the stick. But I know what I'm talking about, and not in an arrogant way. I just know what PRs are like. I know that they're higher services, yeah. and I know that the talent scouts that are left in the industry will be looking at whether you have um, been savvy enough to hire a PR uh, company, whether you know you are willing to pay the wider, either national market or in- international market dues almost. Yeah, you got to cut your teeth again. Exactly, like um, changing your market it's, to. It's, a... it's like going from first school to middle school, and then you get to, you get good at middle school, and then you graduate, and then you have to go back to high school, and you're the lower bracket again, and then you go up to high school, and then you go to college, and it's lower bracket until you get to the university level, and that's the equivalent of headlining download for the fourth time in a decade. And don't get me Not wrong, you, 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 <laughs> you do have these bands out there that will fast track. Um, and that's great. Shout out to any band that has been lucky enough to know how to fast track, to have that person. Because a lot of the time, and this is what we wanted to break into a little bit, just quickly before we go into the actual uh, uh, podcast, is the fact that, yes, there is a certain amount of nepotism. But it, it's because if you say no, a PR that knows your band is decent and is honest with you and goes, no, I can do something with this, then yes, they will fast track you yeah. because they know you. So get known, get people knowing who you are. And if you're like us and you're stuck in the arse end of England uh, with nothing, like the scene knows itself and that's it, then you have to go out there and you have to have conversations with PRs. You have to do what I did at Takedown uh, Festival like 10 years ago where um, the big boisterous personality next to me that was having far better interviews than I was, when press day was done and we're all outside having a cigarette, I went up, shoved my hand in his face and went, you're awesome, who are you? And it turned out that Smiley Dave. <laughs> so you Kudos know, the smiley Dave. And this is the thing. So still smiling. Still smiling. Um, and we've got a very creepy picture of him from uh, um, the early years, which uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to send to him at some point in some uh, some fashion. <laughs> Valentine's. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, this this is where we're at. A quick list of shout outs as always, which is Greg, Luke, Ale, Ion, and then two local bands that have been there paying a lot of attention to what we're doing, a lot of good conversations to us. She's not so righteous and athletes. We raise our fireball glasses to you. We do indeed. Chin chin. Uh, check out these boys. Uh, two different, very different styles of music as well. This is not just like two metalcore bands. Um, but yeah, go check them out. Um, so. Did you like how I managed to slip in the fireball? Um, fireball. Um, yeah. Subtly. Subtly talking about our sponsor, like, Fireball. You know, like on TV, if there's product placement, like PP in the corner, we should have that one on the let, let, let me just have a drink Go on, then. of... Fireball. <laughs> oh, I can smell the cinnamon from here. It smells like Christmas. Anyway, <laughs> right on with the podcast. No, um, let's move on to today's podcast. Um, this episode. <laughs> this is the intro before the intro of the intro. Well, and then more uh, this guest, the podcast. The interview uh, guest. of the week. Yeah. The podcast episode. Sorry, I say week. Like. So used to doing yeah. a weekly show. Um, yeah, so the, the guest we have on this episode of Real Life Rockstars. Is the one person that's been on our radio show more than any other. But. <laughs> but Although it was very close with him and Stitch or yes. Mal V from the Defile. Um, and we 
are potentially going to be uh, looking into something on the um, that front with those guys as well um, moving forward because we do love them and they had such a hard-working attitude. And they're not done with music either, even though the Defiled's over. So mm. the reason that we chose Liam is because uh, we said we to We haven't him, mentioned that yet. Oh, balls. Um, so we've got Liam from Cancer Bats. <laughs> It's because we just uh, ended a, a so exactly how interviews with Liam start. So it just goes straight into it. There's no introduction. Or um, we have one the, yeah. where it says, um, "I think I smell. Do I smell?" And that's the start of the uh, um, interview, mostly because he's the. I got to be honest. He's one of the reasons why I'm a better interviewer because I made that mistake early on in my career uh, where I made a joke uh, partway through <laughs> the interview that did not go down well. He doesn't even remember it. I've remembered it for like every day since. But also the fact that he refused repeatedly to do let us do like our official starts and introductions and all of this um, is it kept us on our toes uh, for a while and like such a good working relationship is built up with him where we're, we'll sit down. It doesn't matter whether we've spoken to him two weeks ago or whether it's been like a year. We we can just pick up in a good way where we left off yeah. and keep going deep. So he said to him, "It's like, would well, you want to come on and give us?" A level of truth that um, you know so far thus isn't out there about cancer bats, and he's like actually. Sign well, it's not me just up. yeah, it's not just cancer bats, is it? It's, it's him as a career I'm in the industry. There he is, just turning up on his bike. Yeah, shout out to the motorcyclist asshole. <laughs> um, well, it's more the case that cancer bats are at a certain level where they can yeah. tour the world, but they do it on the tightest of tightest shoestrings ever and um, also the the strictest of working practices makes it possible mm. and this is what we wanted to break down with him uh, because part of the reason that um you know and i've written this down is the impression that um cancer bats first gave us is that we we fell into the trap that most people falling in fall into of thinking that because cancer bats were everywhere and because um you know always well presented always professional we actually kind of believe them to have a little bit more money than strictly mm. they do. Um, and so, like, we've done, um, you know, sort of uh, social media takeovers where we took them out for uh, some drinks and some food. and Yeah, no, me, and, me and Liam played ping pong. Exactly. But, and across the day, like, that gave us, oh, hold up, these guys aren't actually, you know, necessarily uh, raking it in in the way that we thought they were. Um, and then they came down to the studio that night and did a takeover. Then we um, also realised, um, this was like the slow realisation, is that Liam actually does a lot of his own press management. Yeah. Um, he works with PRs, but he's always there, he's always doing it, and like he'll, he'll talk to anyone. We also realised that there was no in-house TOG, there was no tour manager. There was basically just cancer bats. That's it. Um, so we have stripped everything out from their touring life to be able to. Well, not even that. As far as I, because um, listening back, because this one was done at Boomtown. Uh, uh, just shout out to those guys for giving us uh, the recording space. Earache mm. Records. They've got an awesome podcast. Sorry, I've just reminded myself. They've got an awesome podcast. Check that one out as well. Um, hoping to get those guys on this podcast at some point, which would be epic. Um, but no, the um, the thing was is they've always they've they stripped nothing back because to. To start cancer bats, um, they they realised that they had to do everything. Mm. Um, taking a little mm. bit away from the interview here, um, but um, the PRs that they do currently work with in the UK and across the world is Public City and Nelly at Noise Cartel. Shout out to Nelly, she's an awesome human being. Um, but yeah, um, 
that was sort of the the thing and then it was something that happened with you when I wasn't at the interview as well that made us really realize quite how much Liam is like constantly just doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, so that was literally the start of this year. Yeah. Like they came over and we toured the UK with Bleed From Within. And yeah. uh, I did like a normal kind of silly on camera interview with Liam. Yeah. And then I just sat chilling with him because it's, you know, two chaps just chilling and <laughs> there was time to do it. He had no more press. Yeah. And he whips out his laptop. He goes, oh, I'm just going to catch up with. I'm quite happy to like chatting and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah, I'm good to hang, man. Yeah. And he's like, but I just need to uh, file my taxes. And I'm like, what? He's like, well, we did a gig last night, so I'll keep on top of it. And like, the night after, when he, after he's done with what he needs to do before the actual gig, he will sit there and go through and Ticket work his pricing. taxes and tickets, merch sales, yeah, merch sales, ordering, ordering for the future, checking all the, you know, the returns and stats and ticket sales for future gigs if they need to plan any more social media plugs and all that and he's f super fully hands-on yeah and it was just like i need to get you on the podcast that we're planning because it would work really well just talking about the business of sustaining the band for i'm guessing we're probably we, we say in the interview I yeah but i'm just thinking like the the average kind of venues that they play at when oh, they come to the, the uk thing. when they come to the uk they'll play like they'll play solid for three weeks, but the venues are, are I would say, probably maximum maybe six or seven hundred cap max. Are well, they, they when they come done down different this ones, way? haven't yeah. they? Because they've done different tours of different sizes. But I think specifically for their genre of music, their, their kind of brand of hardcore, they're, they're never going to be headlining a O2 tour where they're playing to like 2,000 people a night. They'll be main support or part of a package or something. But the only time that we've like, seen them play to that many people was uh, the, the infamous interview that started Do I Smell, um, which was <laughs> hit, the hit the Deck Festival, and they did pack out the O2 then. Yeah. Um, but that was an entire festival bringing every hardcore fan exactly out the woodwork. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, again, something that people don't understand um, necessarily is that you are definitely pitching to a different crowd when you're expecting to fill up your headline slot at a festival mm. um, than whether you're trying to tour on your own name. So just, again, something we really need to do a tour one, like how uh, to pitch tours, work out who's the best to speak to over... Um, the whole thing is to be a tour, someone that we know that does tour managing, but yeah. whenever we'd get to speak to them, would be whilst they're on tour when exactly. they come close to us. And that's when they're working. Yeah, and we don't like <laughs> to disrupt it, though... Um, what we might uh, what might do is uh, often there is that um, sort of extra bingo day that doesn't necessarily fall too far away where the band and the management team yeah. have like the day off. An off day on tour. Yeah, we might have to jump on somebody's off day on tour. Um, anyway, so um, we should crack on and play the actual uh, interview because it's quite a long one in itself, and we've done a bit of a gabble. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, we do. Yeah, we cover everything from basic touring and merch and things like that. It's, at the start of the band. It's ideal for yeah bands that are sort of, I guess, just breaking out to giving up their normal jobs if they've got them. Or well, essentially, Liam gives a tick list of how to get a um, a band like Cancer Bats going with his own personal experience of how we got Cancer Bats going. Yeah. Uh, that that is essentially what we got in this one was him going well here's it how I did everything, and it so bands if you're listening to this one if you've got this far in, this is somebody that is more experienced than us and this has always been the point of real life rock stars podcast. We don't think we're anything apart from good conversationalists. We don't think <laughs> that we, <laughs> uh, even that, and uh, we we know how to get this information out of people that are more qualified than us to talk about the things that we think are important. 
So this is this is Liam from Cancerbats giving us, you know, start to finish how we got Cancerbats going. Cool. I will press the play button after this it. kind of adverty thing. Sweeper. Real Life Rockstars Podcast. Excellent. Um, so we're on the latest episode of the Real Life Rockstars Podcast with Mr. Liam from Cancerbats. Hello. Hey. Mr. Liam. Mr. Liam. Liam. We've gone all formal because normally we don't do any intros to our interviews. Oh, yeah. I think usually we're always just like uh, talking so much shit before we even like start. I think one, like, because I remember trying to find a point to edit it to start um, is just you asking whether you smelt or not. Whether I smelt like bad. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And that was the start of the interview because it was about the most serious point I could take from the start. Yeah. You're like, do I smell bad? Today (laughs) I'm doing pretty good, I think. Sorry, considering like, we're in the middle of the British summer here, it's uh, not too bad. And you're, yeah. You're not, you're not doing badly for uh, you know three days at a festival. Yeah, yeah not too bad. Too yeah, bad. you guys actually look pretty good. You don't have mud up your legs or anything. Yeah. How's the weather been this weekend? Crazy. Windy, yeah. Windy as, but it's been all right, hasn't it? We lost uh, probably about a third of the campsite that we're in due to oh, weather. Oh, really? Yeah, people just... Decided they were done with it and uh, gone and, and left. Yeah. Oh, crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. So um, we actually like we're doing a slightly different interview with a slight more purpose. Than okay. Once. But um, it's uh, kind of one of those things. It's best to explain it as we go, um, so that you know the reason that we're doing this podcast is to basically try and talk to people such as yourself about how to survive in the industry. Um, oh, okay. Like hints, tips. Life hacks. That's the kind of thing, yeah, yeah. really. Hints, tips, and life hacks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like um, about having a band or being in a band or... The, the whole sort of uh, scale, because one thing that we've uh, found is that there's there's t- generally two sets of hardworking people when it comes to band members. The guys that have a main job that will play like a main stage at a festival and then go home the next day and, you know, be wearing a high-vis jacket stocking shelves or something like that. Oh, okay. Or guys like yourself that seem to be grafting all, all the time, like all year round, Cancerbats is somewhere doing something. Yeah. Um, so we thought we'd uh, chat to people like yourself about what it takes to actually survive like that, because, um, well. sustaining in the modern era of metal. Yeah. Well, or, I think or rock and metal, or music in general, especially yeah. being a, a niche band like yourselves. So yeah, it's, yeah. It's really I, th- I mean, I guess that's something a lot of people have been looking at. Mm. And yeah. I feel like everybody's kind of, I guess, making it up as they go. A little bit, because um, we say to, like, um, we love doing uh, crossover from legacy bands into this day and age, so the last of the Platinum Era bands. They're always some of the most interesting to interview, because they're like, you know, the, they were given the golden key to the kingdom, and then the kingdom disappeared, and there's yeah. no money left. Well, it's, yeah. it's the pre-post-internet acts, really, but we we're talking to people that are pre-internet and how they managed to make it as a band, but since internet, music industry is not very well. Is it an industry still? Is it? Lots yeah, of, I think so. Is it I th- collectives I th- that working together. Kind yeah, of and I think there's still people who have like shifted, and who are kind of like savvy to it. I think there's still definitely like record companies that are trying different things and who are figuring it out. But yeah, yeah it is kind of like an ever-evolving sort of thing. Especially with social media giving you curveballs that you don't expect, like um, you know, where um, you can either have a completely outspoken career and get away with saying whatever you want online, or 
you can put the wrong thing up in a tweet and then suddenly you're completely burned by yeah it's well and it's also very strange yeah i think it's cool in a way like how quickly some of those things like can also happen like where you have i think a little less of the like uh like ambiguity on like oh did that actually happen was anyone there did anyone yeah. see what happened it's like yeah tons of people filmed it <laughs> and everyone can kind of decide how they want you know as to what that means yeah so cancer bus has been around for about 10 12 years now roughly yeah 2014 really 2015 okay i mean or sorry 2005 is when we like started yeah, yeah. so that's where i'm like 14 15 years uh, oh, we got a we got a vocal warm up next door. I like it. Yep. In, in that time, I'm guessing when you first started off, you were still doing your own jobs and things. But what was when was that moment that you know you decided right, I'm quitting my day job? <laughs> this is amazing. Yeah, they're hitting them. Well, where, where was that? Where was the point when you realised it's like I've got to quit my day job, concentrate on the band, but it's got to be so daunting to go. I've got. To, pay bills and make rent kind of thing. Like. Yeah, I think the big thing for Cancer Bats when we first started was that none of us had uh, real bills or anything. Okay. okay. So because we were just living on tour. So when we first were like starting, the goal was just to like go on tour and was yeah. to live on tour and like doing that. And Mikey and I like booked kind of like all the touring based on those ideas of just being like, well, none of us really have apartments or like places that we can go to. So 2005, sort of like definitely 2006 and definitely 2007, we like didn't have any places to go. So we just like were on tour nonstop. For like three, four years, no real base. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Toronto where we would stay with friends and do stuff like that. And we definitely had like at a later point, like, girlfriends that we would stay with but yep. that was like kind of our way of making things so i always think it's interesting when i like talk to bands that are like we want to like really make it and like they have like car payments and they have like apartments and they have all these things and we're like oh none of us had like any bills like whatsoever that we were like dealing with yeah no it's something that we've noticed especially when we get um local bands sort of asking us to coach them a bit because we got that lead into press areas, being able to speak to people like yourself. Um, and it's crazy when they're like, but no, I also want to further my career. I've got a dog. Um, and then you like sort of tell them, uh, you know, the, even the schedule that we have, so about 10, 12 festivals a year, isn't it? Um, they find that a bit too demanding. And they're like, how, oh, do yeah. you, how do you find the time for that? It's like, well, I haven't had a holiday in, oh, this is depressing, six years because I'm limited to the 20 days that corporate like sort of holiday gives me that means I can just about attend all the UK festivals I want to and then I go and work so I don't really give myself much of a break Um, we get our allotted 20 odd days a week a year for holiday and use most of it going to festivals and gigs and stuff so you're saying that without that sort of that need to tick somebody's box of being in work every day and having something to do made it yeah. a bit easier for you guys to actually shape the way you did things. Yeah, I mean, it is that gamble that you have to kind of take yeah. uh, in order to, like, I think, like, push forward. For us, we were all a little bit older, too, so we were like, if we're going to do this, like, we were, like, 25, which okay. felt, like, really old in comparison to, like, everyone we knew yeah. that was already, like, doing it. So, like, 
when we looked at like Alexis on Fire and Comeback Kid and Silverstein, like those guys had pretty much just like started when they were like 18, 19. And so we felt at like, you know, like our age of like 25, we were already like really old, like coming into it. So we were like, oh man, we gotta like really hit this hard. And like, we saw a lot of bands that were playing like, like 300 shows a year yeah. and doing like that real hard like tour lifestyle and we were like oh okay that's like all we want to do yeah. that's like what we need to go and do so i think that's a big thing that a lot of like bands don't see okay. uh is like how much you need to like actually commit to that at the start and just um because we've spoken to a couple of bands um miss may i pops to mind where they said that they had a similar thing um, and that they actually nearly uh, sort of, uh, well, they got very close to bankrupting more than once in that initial few years of not having a job, no other revenue streams sort of coming in. Um, I mean, was it hard at points? We've uh, sort of all seen there, like most touring musicians know how to convince people how to give up their free food at the end of the day, and you know what shop change you can hit. Um, don't do McDonald's because they'll spray their um, stuff with uh, like disinfectant. I think they used to spray it with so that you can uh, eat okay. it when it went off. Did you guys have to do anything like that where you were eating uh, like whatever you could find? Big periods of hunger. Close to the wire, isn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. You just kind of like learn to like, yeah, like eat a lot of peanut butter and jam sandwiches. We yeah. eat a lot of like, you know, uh, instant oatmeal. We'd have those like instant hot water oatmeal packs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, eating cold cans of, like, spaghetti, uh, just, like, touring around America and stuff like that. That's why we were excited to come to the U.K., because for us, like, the cost of, like, food and everything was so cheap. Really? Yeah, so we were like, oh, man, you come over here and you can, like, actually, like, everything is a lot, like, less expensive. So you can (laughs) buy, like, some chips, you know, cheesy chips for three pounds, and you're sorted. So we were like, oh, this is easy. Didn't realize we were cheap for food. That's cool. Yeah, you can get a veggie breakfast for five pounds. Well, we do pride ourselves on a good breakfast. That's great. Yeah. So, yeah, you learn those tricks. You kind of, like, figure it out. I mean, the other nice side is, like, once you start doing support tours when you're in that world, there is a little bit more going on, like, catering and stuff like that. So we were lucky to, like, have some pretty big, like, uh, support tours that we got okay. and we're able to like kind of get in that side of things. I mean the big thing too that I think a lot of younger bands don't see or like maybe don't understand as well was that we had all been in bands for years. Okay. So like Mikey had already been touring for like a really long time. We already had all of these like kind of connections from playing in other bands that just yeah. didn't go as far. So okay. I think that's the big thing that like a lot of like younger bands like don't really see is that they're like Oh, like, all of a sudden, Cancer Bass was there, and then they were just on tour full-time. They but almost it was like, write their own narrative for your band. Um, yeah. Like, I see a lot of people not realizing, um, you know, uh, what was the last uh, big one? I think it was Five Finger Death Punch, where everybody thought that Five Finger Death Punch had been put together by, like, a record company. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. There's everything so uh, polished and clean with them now. It's like, yeah. well, who's pulling the strings and stuff yeah. like that same with like Lincoln Park went through it it's this weird thing that people do where they place their own narrative on what they see yeah so like we get it from people um, you know uh, with what we do is uh, you live such a glamorous lifestyle it's like honestly I work 10 to 15 hour days sometimes at festivals sat at my laptop growling at Mike you know it's not uh, not the most glam. I, I watched two bands at download this year yeah because there was just so much other stuff to be doing for us it's a, a massive weekend 
Yeah, I think um, there's sort of like both sides of those, like where you can kind of like take your your fun, and then yeah. there's also going to be a lot of work. But I think it's it's sort of like if you like what you do, then mm. it's not you know like that much of a labor. Like yeah. I think those are the sides of things that people like kind of like. Like, even looking at, like, tour not really being a job. Like, I never want to, like, complain about it. But there yeah. is a lot of stuff that you just, like, even physically have to do. Yeah. Like, between, like, carrying gear in yeah. and out of places and, like, getting things set up. and e- like Every job has the monotony of it. Even if you're you know, touring the road or sat on a laptop or something like that. Yeah. Or you're working in an office. That, that That's work. It is monotonous and the same thing over and over again. You've got to perform the same song that you've written 15 years ago over and over and over again. It's like... How, how, you know, you've got to make it fresh for yourself and for the fans and things like that. It's the same yeah. As if you are working in an office or with a high-vis jacket doing the same route every week, you've got to make it interesting for yourself to Yeah, to totally. And with it as I well. think that there's those sides of things, like, on both ends of, yeah. like, you know. People uh, don't, what people don't see, like, um, this, this festival, you guys have uh, got, shall we say, the most time that we've seen a band have on site so far. Um, like, Loath, for example, massive shout-out to those guys. Yeah, yeah. They turned up, they basically had about 45 minutes to an hour here before they played. They then played, they got what, half an hour at most? Half hour to pack down, strip the stage, pack the van, and then they had to go off because they had to travel overnight to get to Belgium for a festival that they're doing. Oh, crazy. So they were yeah. literally over yeah. on site here for like two and a half hours, and in that time they got to perform, yeah. set up and set down. And we were laughing because um, essentially, like, we had a mini, like, middle of the afternoon party because it was the only point that their feet weren't either on a stage or in a van. So we like um, just had a bit of a um, party before and after the gig. And they're like, "This, this sucks. We just want to, we want to stay because we're still the punters that we used to be." But it's, it's interesting. You see bands that make that transition, as you say, the ones that are aware of how much time goes in how yeah much yeah the traveling side of things that i think like a lot of people especially like british bands yeah don't understand because everything in england's like really close <laughs> like it, you're really spoiled by the fact that like we even think it's a nightmare traveling 70 miles to yeah which is crazy like, oh, it takes an hour man it's like <sighs> it's like the yeah. easiest touring ever <laughs> when, then, when you go to like mainland Europe and you actually have to like travel nine hours like between every show oh, and you're like keep getting up and going through customs and all that kind of ah stuff. the custom side is pretty easy these days okay. it's definitely like all of the borders have kind of like disappeared minus Switzerland. I don't want to mention the B word because by the time this podcast gas goes out it could have all changed but how is that going to affect uh, t- coming to the UK as a band from overseas. I know you're. Not, uh, you're I don't know. We have to get work visas, anyways. Okay. Um. So I don't know if it would change that much for us. Because there is a lot of buzz around uh, British bands planning on touring in Europe post Halloween this year. What's going to happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's going to happen? Can they work? Can they tour? Yeah, uh, yeah. It's all up in the air. There's no answers. So that's. I guess that's something. As a business, you've got to plan for. I know I've I've sat with you at an interview earlier this year, and we did the interview, which was cool for the radio show as normal. And then and then you just pulled out your laptop and like started doing your finances and stuff for the band for the gig before. Is that that's something that's really important for bands to concentrate? Oh on. yeah 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 exactly. yeah. And I think it's a good thing, you, like you were saying, for like uh, a like a, a life kind of hack. Mm. Yeah. I feel like the more that bands can like actually figure out those things themselves and be involved in the business side of their band and sort of be like in charge of that. Yeah. I think all of the bands that you see that are 
still sustaining and who are still doing well and who have longevity, those are all the bands that have like taken the business end like seriously on yep. their own and the ones who kind of pay attention to a lot of their finances and a lot of their logistics and yeah. well, we've done all a, that stuff. Quite a few shout outs uh, thus far to a couple of uh, UK bands that are doing it, but uh, one which you actually covered um, a bit of the vocals of at Trees, which is oh, yeah. Sleeps. Yeah. And they, I think it's like Washi Sleeps, like mm. those dudes like run, you know, Everything. their business. Yeah. yeah, but they still also have management, mm. yeah. which I think is like, again, a lot of kids look at like, oh, I should get management and then I don't have to do anything. And you're like, That's no. That's a big thing, yeah. Kids are one, young bands are two in a rush to get a manager. So then they don't end up learning anything themselves and they True. just want to party because yeah. they just think it's all about partying. Uh, and then it's like not realizing that actually you're supposed to work even harder once you're in those situations to like take advantage of the opportunity that you're given. Yeah, you've completely. Got, you've got to be able to afford a manager, so you've got to work hard to be able to pay that bill because there's another bill coming out from your brand. Yeah, or you're just like, this is just like a business partner. Yeah. So yeah. this isn't someone who's like coming along to like just like take all this work off your plate so you can get drunk every day because all of those bands are gone. Like, yeah. none of those bands that were like, oh, I got a manager and now I'm pissed. It's like, everyone's like, oh, what happened to the band? You're like, oh, well, they just didn't get it. Like, yeah. they just don't understand how this works. Because if you work in a, in a shop or a retail or anything, you've got a manager that has to guide you and sometimes got to be firm with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he a has a boss and yeah, yeah, exactly. they have a boss. Like, they will have to report up and stuff. There's yeah. a hierarchy. If you found that uh, with, with the band yourself, you've got certain characters and people within the band that are stronger at doing other things like I know when you first started coming to the UK you weren't always the person I got to interview I have I have actually interviewed other cancer bats oh really yeah, yeah oh yeah. that's crazy that's how long we've been interviewing the band and supporting the band but like recently you obviously in the last few years as a front man you've taken on more of a press role yeah that's why I'm surprised because I've just always done it uh, <laughs> I, I remember uh, the lemon grove in Exeter can't remember who you were supporting on that tour, but yeah, I definitely spoke to two other guys. There we go. That's crazy. crazy. We have it on audio. <laughs> we'll dig it out and cut it in. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I do most of the press. Yeah. I feel like because most people like just ask to do it with me. There is a sort of frontman mentality. Yeah, find, which I, I'm like easy with because I'm also like, well, that's I don't have any gear to set up. I don't have any like things to do. And you're kind of paying back a little bit of the overall effort as well like they as you say you work uh, a lot harder and there um, we've seen it constantly where vocalists do get a lot of hassle for not having to carry anything in or oh yeah like <laughs> somebody's those dudes carrying, are just lazy though <laughs> um but a lot of the time um if the band is understanding normally the vocalist is the one that generally runs the social media or does the interviews there's something yeah who does a lot happens, of that sort of stuff yeah which I, I think works for a lot of people because um us as interviewers we generally favor a front man because that seems to be what our if we have a fan base well, uh, pays attention to front front man is clickbait isn't it you've got image of a front man on your interview people are more likely to click on that compared to a drummer or a bassist nothing against drummers or bassists yeah not, and also yeah realizing the front man. It's, yeah yeah it's the one people want to see in, in images yeah who's what so. person is fronting the band or who's who's kind of like the focal point yeah a bit like back in the day i would have uh, obviously he's left now but i would quite like to interview chris adler from lama god when he was uh, okay. running all of that because I watched the Sackman DVD and found out that he was for a long time the band's manager. Yeah. Um, so he would have been a fascinating person to speak to. Um, 
But yeah, I feel like there's lots of times that's another one too is drummers. There's a lot of like drummers who like Mike's the one who helps me with like all the business stuff yeah. and does like tons of business for Cancer Bats. Uh, but lots of bands like are that that person as well. Yeah. And then you see them going on to like management. Yeah. Um, like Ryan from Funeral. Like is exactly like that. Yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah. Adam, we know Vance as well. Shout oh, out yeah, to him. Yeah, yeah, Adam Vance as well. Yeah, because yeah, he was started there. off in a crazy little ska punk band and worked his way touring with uh, Crossfaith and bands like that. And now he's running his own company in LA, exclusive and jets for people. Like there you go. logistics. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because yeah, I always love a good. They can tell a good uh, tour manager member of a band because they just they know what they're doing the whole time. Yeah, exactly. And like we're doing um, a bit of a um, sort of podcast without an interview where we're saying essential things that you need to have either in your press kit or to hand as a band if you're going to go out there and do stuff. Because um, I love a band where I can go and speak to them and go, well, I need a background, uh, uh, sorry, transparent PNG of your logo for the interview that we're doing. And when I get sent it immediately, I'm like that band member. Like, that's the one that knows what he's doing. Yeah. There's certain things that people like us will need or promoters will need. Um, and it's partly why we're doing this podcast to explain to people what the need for those sorts of things are. Uh, so for me, it's to make sure I don't put up a NAF edited in paint copy version of somebody's logo or one that, uh, what was it, like five years out of date I once went on a logo, I think. Yes, yes, you did. But yeah. we won't talk about that. No, <laughs> so it prevents sort of those uh, mistakes happening. Um, so yeah, no, it's, uh, we do tend to find there's one or two members normally these days. The trend has definitely shifted from like a, just having a good tour manager to a lot more bands having a good tour managing member as well. Yeah, yeah, I think that's also like an important one. Again, not to harp on uh, no, no, this UK is bands, you can harp on. but it was always really funny for us to come over and see like these bands that had a tour manager and a driver. And I was like, you're on 50 pound a night. Yeah. Like how like we have to like rent a van because we don't own one over here. Yeah. But when we were in Canada, we were always just like touring, mm. you know, the four of us when we like had to because yeah. that was just what makes sense. Like everyone drives like everyone. We still like, you know, drive ourselves lots of times. Well, this is actually something that's coming out on this podcast is um, certain bands that have been around as long as you guys have are saying certain things like, well, we know we, not in a nasty way, but we don't pay a driver, we don't pay um, a manager, yeah. we, we just crack on. The one I think that is generally exempt because it'd be a bit difficult to do is photographer, but you're seeing a lot more people sort of match up with a singular photographer. Like I'm well, the, the photographer becomes a videographer, merch person, and... Uh, yeah, you have... Media content creator. Yeah, yeah. content creator, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, that seems to be, um, on a lot of successful outfits, the only paid member that they seem to have with them these days. And that's largely because it's the one job you can't do from the stage. I think it would be quite difficult. Like, you don't want to be your own tog. I imagine just selfies of the band on stage would probably get a Well, I would say, that, like, there's always photographers at shows. Yeah. So I think that side of things that also, like, if, you, if you're only getting paid 50 pounds a night, like, again... Maybe if you have a friend who just wants to come on tour and yeah. they can take photos, like that's always great. But at the same time, you could also just introduce yourself to those photographers yeah. and ask them for the photos. Well, it's what like you guys that's the whole reason why they're there is to also get exposure. So if you just like kind of like go that little step further, I think that's the thing is that like a lot of bands like just don't realize like how much kind of like self-starting there just needs to be yeah. and i think for us we always think it's really crazy because we came from a time when there wasn't a scene like there wasn't 
you know, this like kind of like built in network. So you had to talk to everyone. You had yeah. to like reach out. You had to send emails. You had to like be, you know, messaging people on message boards and like setting up your tours yourself. That was like where we all kind of came from. Yeah. So the whole idea now that like you're even more connected, but people like don't want to talk to each other or like <laughs> can't, can't figure it out. It's like that's the side of things that I find is like very eye rolly when I talk to younger bands because I'm always just like, oh, well, I, I like it's easier now than it's ever been. Like you, you, you can run your company from your from the palm of your hand nowadays. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. It's like everyone has a supercomputer in their hands that's, that's connected to everyone. And that, 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 yeah, that's it. Um, you've got quite a strong merchandising side to Cancer Bats. Mm -hmm. uh, that I'm, I'm guessing that's also someone's strong point within the the band because. There's constant, constantly new designs and things. You're always yeah. on the road. Yeah, that's me who takes care of all the merch. Okay, did you tie that in with your own personal uh, Treadwell then? Yeah, I ended up starting up Treadwell kind of like years, years, years later. Okay. But uh, Treadwell kind of came around, I guess, in 2015 was when I was like, sort of like Cancer Bats was on autopilot. And I was yeah. like, I'm going to like do something as like another creative kind of outlet Okay. Uh, as something else that's like fun to do and to kind of find some new challenges because at a certain point you're like well cancer bats like we only make like t-shirts hoodies it know. has a limitation yeah. yeah I was like oh I'm gonna make some like different things and like actually try and kind of work more on like the fashion side so of have stuff. you done that from the beginning doing the merch yourself? yeah I've always been the one who took care of the merch even from like the very very start like I used to like hand screen print like all the shirts yeah amazing so yeah are you the artist as well or I did a lot of the art in the beginning like mm. very very early days and then also our first bass player was uh, or still is like a graphic designer okay so he and I worked on like tons of stuff and that was like a big part of it too was not just like oh we're just gonna do um this band like i was like we're gonna have like super cool art and we're gonna have like really cool like merch and album art and doing all these things we were really into graffiti too yep. so that was why there was like real big graffiti kind of element to the lot of the like early merch and like album art and stuff well what that meant is uh, for those uh, wondering why i wanted to talk about it is um We've uh, heard on other podcasts uh, bands not realizing how much of their uh, money is being taken uh, to a deal that they signed into where merch is incorporated. Oh, yeah. And suddenly they're losing crazy. Their, like, a percentage here and they're thinking it's all the actual setup and operating costs. Now, admittedly, we have done merch from time to time on the show, but we find that nobody really wants to buy our merch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, no, we, um, so, like, we're talking to some bands and like, um, we've helped them actually realize how much money they were losing on their merch deals because they thought that like half the cost of their merch was actually um, you know the design and everything it was like yeah. oh, th this is being stolen from you by the companies that have offered you a, a good deal yeah um, because it's the same thing I always like say to people whether it be turning up to places or you know designing or at least distributing your own merch it's like getting a ready meal as opposed to buying all the ingredients yourself is it'll be cheaper if you buy everything yourself and do everything yourself um, and it'll be better for you more beneficial in the long run there are so many companies out there that will pay and profit from your laziness oh totally 
And uh, so that's like merch is a big one that um, like cause we see it from time to time, like people realizing how much merch is worth. And uh, there's a big meme thing at the moment saying comparing it to streams, isn't there online where they're saying that was while she sleeps again. It's yeah, seven, I was seven thousand, uh, five thousand streams is equivalent of one T-shirt design kind of thing. It's yeah, like, that's, that's crazy. For me, I think they are one of those bands that are really opening up people's eyes to what the industry is hap- what's happening in the industry and that's what mm-hmm. we're trying to do with this podcast as well it's like it's not how it used to be where you get a, a deal for an, five albums and videos and all that it's, yeah it is hard work to sustain a career in music oh especially totally. a, a, a very niche uh, style of music a bit like cancer bats or, or any kind of rock or metal it's not the mainstream anymore um, yeah so help any help anyone can give to other people to traverse their way through the new the new, what's the best word to say? New world. The new world, yeah. The new world. It's a new world, isn't it? Of, Go a bit of Aladdin. Getting out there. Yeah, I think it's like the same way that like kids realize that they can like record now for a lot less money, and that like yeah. side of things has been kind of opened up. It's like the same then can be said for like you know all aspects where you're like, oh, well, okay, well I could tour and then make money off of this by not hiring these you know like expensive you know middlemen basically yeah yeah and in the same way that oh shit um in the same way that you're not yeah like looking to produce like really expensive um kind of like merchandise yeah so that you can then sell it for you know a good price to people it's like all of those things that you're kind of just like learning as you go through Awesome. But again, I feel like that's the part that sort of like separates like, like the bands that get it and the bands that don't, and well, it's like those behind the scenes kind of things where you're like, oh, what happened to that band? And you're like, oh, well, they just kind of didn't get it. Yeah. Do you also have to sort of future proof yourself as well now within your career, like pension wise, insurances, all that kind of stuff? Are you looking to the future, not just as a band writing new music and trying to be able to sustain the future within the band? But you have to think much further afield as well, as you do with any career, be it an office or retail or in a band or something. You've got a plan 20, 30 years in the future. Yeah. Is, is that something that. I mean, we don't pay into, into like a pension or anything like that. Okay. Or like we don't have like any. I mean, we have like insurance, like travel insurance, but we don't have like uh, insurance against like, I guess like being out of work, yeah. if yeah. that would like make sense. Like we don't have anything that we like pay into that. But again, we're just like smart. Like Mikey and I just like make sure that we're planning ahead in terms of being like, oh yeah, next year we're not really gonna tour. So how else can the brand make money for the members to make money? Yeah, or, or not it's even the make o- money, just survive. I think it's the other side too, where that's why we were looking to do things outside of the band. Because yeah. for us, we were looking at like some of those sort of like older like bands like for us converge yeah like you look at converge and what they do outside of mm. just being in that band it's like well jake does graphic design and runs death wish um obviously uh what's his name guitar face he like records mm. owns like his own studio yeah. like does a whole bunch of stuff like that um you know the drummer is a session drummer it's like everyone has their own things that they do outside of the band and i think when you look at a lot of like kind of like older bands that's what a lot of them end up doing is like other kind of side things and then that in turn makes you appreciate your band itself well it gives you time so you're not overkilling the your one almost because i don't like the idea of money making because as far as i understand it um 
because it was um, Lamagod again actually uh, watching the DVD surrounding what happened in Prague was the fact that um, it was a very down to earth and real life thing that happened that Lamagod actually had to sell all of their houses to pay for Randy's trial oh crazy yeah like because um, there wasn't this big working capital even in a band as big as Lamb of God there wasn't this big working capital just to sustain Randy Blythe being unable to tour and that's why they came back and toured so heavily afterwards as well yeah um, because um, like I said I think there's a misconception to making money off the band means that generally you guys what possibly sit somewhere a bit, uh, above what we would call national minimum wage so just about enough money coming in to live I imagine buy a new stage where keep the band going but is there still compromises because I know that what we alluded to earlier there's no rock star lifestyle anymore yeah so I think it, it I think it all depends too on like what uh, kind of like budgets you're making and yeah. how closely you're like kind of paying attention to all that like I think for us like we see how much money we're taking in and then make a decision on how much crew we're going to take yeah. or like what type of you know like touring we're gonna have and there's lots of tours that we're just doing like bare bare bones because we're not making like tons of money well it's not not cheap to fly a band yeah flying around renting gear renting like vans like that's why we always think it's funny when we like turn up to the show and like the opening band wants to like borrow all of our gear and we're like man we're like not even from like this country yeah. And, like, you guys can't be bothered to, like, bring your gear from, like, your practice space. Yeah. <laughs> Five minutes down. The yeah, road. yeah, exactly. Like, oh, man, I can't believe you had to do two trips in a car. That's crazy. <laughs> Dad hasn't got the van this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> and I get it, like, with kids, but I always think it's, like, such an eye roll because you're just like, oh, again, like, right off the hop. You're like, you guys can't even be bothered to bring your own gear to the show. Like, it's definitely – we're already starting off on the wrong foot. <laughs> and then they're the bands that would also leave before you even to get on stage yourself. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, where are they now? <laughs> every every band like that, I don't think, has uh, survived very long. Cause it's it's so funny. Uh, we call it big fish um, in a small pond syndrome, uh, especially from where we're from. Is uh, locally famous. Yes, locally famous is. Oh yeah. One of the worst killers for bands we found because they they get a tiny bit of like. Yeah, I think that band. happens everywhere. Yeah. Um, and it's the ones that are sensible and savvy enough because um, like we've had uh, you know people drift uh, past us long before they've had like the the point where their band suddenly exploded, and it's always the ones which were humble on their way up that you still see like appearing everywhere or sometimes they don't have a band anymore. Like, do you remember when uh, Sixth went on holiday for a bit, for a few years? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Mikey Goodman is literally one of the nicest guys out there and does, you know, um, I imagine, um, recording work for other people as he always has. So we just see him randomly turn up at Download because he was the type of person where um, he had paid enough respect to everybody that there was no problem giving him a guest pass and he came in. And yeah, then, and people want to be around him. Exactly, and then suddenly you understand how when Sixth came back, the industry stood behind it because he... Wasn't there promoting himself, but everybody was asking when he's coming back. Oh, keep your eye out in six months to a year's time. And yeah. These little respectful conversations work, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and I think a lot of smaller bands or bands that maybe haven't experienced, um, you know, what it's like to be snubbed because of a bad attitude uh, for a while 
because uh, one of the famous ones is um, uh, I remember you questioning where's about it afterwards was when Fred Durst got it about himself to act like a bit of a penis in his early career um, so eloquently quirky. you can tell we do FM radio can't you yeah. <laughs> um, and then we had this wonderful insightful interview with Wes where he's like no, they say it because uh, a fan wanted us to ask, um, was it true that you came back for a six-figure salary? And Wes just gets the giggles going, the, the six-figure salary. He's like, maybe that was there for like a minute. He's like, but no, he's like, it was just the fact that Fred uh, turned his attitude round enough. Uh, he's like, he became a pleasure to work with again. Yeah. And we, like, from the ones that we've done with PRs, we found that that's normally sort of their side of what you're saying about entitled bands is mm-hmm. they don't want to work with people. Um, that you know have got too big for their boots, too locally famous or anything like that. Um, is it something that ever goes through your mind? Like, do you look into talk packages with people and look at what the band's reputations are like if you don't know them? Uh, Does it go into choosing? Them I at mean, all? we usually like know a lot of the bands that we're going to tour with because yeah. we're you know looking to just like be with like-minded people and yeah. be hanging out with people that we already are like you know, wanting to hang around. So even that, if nothing else, is you don't know whoever is actually looking into, like, somebody like yourself, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. If for no other reason... But definitely, like, people ask around and, like, will... Like, it's a really small world, so... Like, if if you're a dick at a show like that's definitely gonna get around like really quickly completely and like wildfire yeah, yeah yeah and everyone because there's like I always laugh at there's like there's only really 12 bands you know <laughs> what I mean that are like full time and serious so when people are like looking for support bands like they're asking each other like who's cool and like who you can take out especially with the subgenre of split downs yeah you're right there often it is that certain amount and what a lot of bands outside of this tiny part of the industry um, that we're trying to shine a bit of light on don't realize is that even if they don't necessarily know you there's a group chat that they could sit in where they would know about it Uh, you can sort of go this band's interesting have you heard anything good and you know that one person may have watched you get drunk and tip over a table like a jackass in a disrespect a venue all of this sort of stuff and you never know how and then someone's like oh what do you think of that band and you're like oh they were the worst or vice versa like Loathe we we played with them in Blackpool but before that we were in Spain with um, Beartooth nice and those guys were like oh Loathe are awesome like we just played with them they're super nice guys and I was like oh cool whereas like vice versa they could have gone out of their way and gone oh those guys are dicks and like just a heads up you know what I mean? And you're like, oh, okay, like that's, you know, we're in like Basque country in yeah. Spain yeah. and we're like talking about a band that we're going to be playing with in Blackpool. And it's like their tour manager is the one who's telling me while we're like setting up merch. It's like that's how this world works, you know, is that like everyone is kind of like crossing paths that way. Well, we, we know Loath as well, so they'll be made up the, from that, 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 past bit, you know, that, that past five minutes of the year podcast i think yeah <laughs> make sure they play that over and over again well they even said that um the because they had an architect support that came up and it was partly because um within the industry they were <clears throat> they were known for being able to take sort of one-off gigs like that and they're a band that's worthy of um giving a one-off gig so i've never seen low without their full stage production um, without being fully ready to perform like oh totally um, yeah and that's a huge part too like yeah. people being like does this band like know how to like set up yeah. and like tear down and like you know it's like all those little things like showing up with your gear having your gear work like being on time like 
hanging around being super cool like perfect example like that insight band that we just did yep. a yeah, week of yeah. shows with like we showed up the next day at uh at bloodstock and i was wearing an insight shirt and all the crew guys are just like oh that band's the best those dudes are the nicest like yeah. those guys are awesome and it's like well that's already like you know spreading across well we've met those guys as i was well. gonna say I oh they're the best them, yeah um, because uh they what show was that that was that was Bloodstock years ago. No, no, it was in the Phoenix as well, wasn't it? I think yeah. so. They uh, played with us a couple years ago, so it might have been... I think it, it, it was that time that... Oh, you, yeah, no. Yeah, now you remember. Oh, yeah, no, now I remember why I know Insight. Uh, yeah, no, we helped them out with uh, some favours uh, locally. Because, again, like, um, one thing that we find quite strange is, um, you know, with uh, Loeb and stuff like that, we got our normal festival party bag, shall we say. Um, and they were struggling to get their uh, rider in time, and they're like, "All we want to do is just get the the bus vibes off, like off the body, just before we go on stage." Yeah. Like that's all we want to do. They're like, "We don't, we're not looking for much," and so we're like, well, "In that case, how about everything?" And they're like, "But why?" We're like, "Oh, because we don't care." It's like we've been doing this long enough. Yeah. Um, and they were so thankful. And it's like they haven't lost like enough respect to um, you know be thankful of just being given something small and it's yeah totally my one is always uh, like a whether it's actually music industry or not i always look at the way that somebody treats service personnel so either like a server or a cleaner or something like that yeah want to take a measure of who they are um, and it's always the bands which have got the same amount of time for the person that's like going to be cleaning the toilet in a press area or something like that um, and the ones that don't act like they're better than anybody else and um, like we we hear it all the time from was it Nova Twins earlier the ones we were gonna um, throw down with uh, you were um, too unfortunately they were on a bit too early in the day I think they were on very early today weren't they but they, <laughs> they said the prophets are rage guys it's like going out with a bunch of uh, people that aren't famous because oh cool they, they have absolutely no ego whatsoever yeah you know, like that that's the mark of people that can maintain success it's generally the ones that don't want to be praised don't want to uh, be done and it I remember it happening with you a little bit in the early days of us interviewing you is I was a bit starstruck because the lead singer of Cancer Pats actually knew my name and remembered it from festival to festival and you're like but I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm just Liam and it's like yeah it took a while for that to change over a little bit because it, it was a perception thing uh, but I, I'm still very thankful that you want to speak to us if I'm, <laughs> if I'm honest <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, is, it, was there one bit of advice that you were given when you were starting out as a band that really hit home for you uh, that you think people aren't don't really know about it now as well um i think that maybe that one that we were saying like the bands like when we were touring with like every time i die and like seeing how like a band like actually takes care of everything themselves like loading their gear like even we were on a really big tour with them we had played lots of club shows with them yeah. and saw how like they kind of operated like with just like merch guy sound guy tour manager like super bare bones like the band guys drove i guess that was the big thing that we always like really admired was like seeing those bands that it was like the band was working yeah. like when you saw like against me like you know finished playing the big show like it was like the band like members who were like loading out and like driving the the van yeah uh, and it's like that's where you like understand then you know, years later when they're at that point where they can maybe hire some extra crew, it's like, because they come from that, like, spot of, like, having Doing done all of that, yeah, yeah themselves. Um, so almost bring everything that is not feasible. I'm um, not feasible, because uh, some essential things like merch. Oh, yeah. 
uh, but everything that's feasible to bring in-house. Yeah, I think, like, like, understanding how to run your own business from, like, the ground up so that, like, even at the most basic level, you can still, like, tour, like, as just the band, Yeah. you know? And that there isn't anything, like, outside of that that you need. And I think that's, like, the ultimate version of like DIY where you're just like okay like even if we don't have a booking agent we're still gonna book shows like even if we don't have a manager we're gonna organize all these things like yeah. even if we don't have a merch guy we're gonna go and sell this merch you know what I mean like all of those things are are like capable within you know your own like unit and yeah. then obviously as like things do better and you need more people to help you out you're it's not just doing that, it yeah. yeah so you can like just get drunk <laughs> It makes the um, the thing which we find with uh, talking to people is it makes the drunk more worthwhile for those fans that still want to party. Is once they've done um, all the, like ticked all the boxes, done a day's work. Yeah, yeah. Then you're finished. Sorry, I'm just keeping an eye on yeah, the no, time. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it makes the party worthwhile because that that side of things does still exist. It's just not every night, every moment of the tour, Motley Crue style. What we've sort of almost been brainwashed to believe yeah, yeah, yeah. is still possible. But it, it doesn't mean that you've got to completely throw away the rock and roll lifestyle we're trying to say to people it's just a bit different to what you're expecting it to be yeah because um, the other thing which I'd like to focus in on from what you said as well is um, you know for bands out there struggling to wonder why they're not making things work is um, a lot of bands like yourselves didn't have the commitments back home like the monthly commitments necessarily it's okay to have a home and have a place that everything sort of operates out of but maybe don't have car payments or you know, or, if you, or if you do, then don't, like, it's like there isn't both right off the bat. So I think if you want to go on tour, like, you need to either take care of, you know, like, your responsibilities at home. Like, save up tons of cash. Yeah. Be able to cover it. Like, if you have kids, like, obviously, like, figure that out. But at the same, or there's other, like, bands that don't tour full time. And that's just the reality of it. Like you said, like, there are bands on main stage that... You know, they finish playing and then they go back to work. Yeah. But that I think a, a lot YouTube of career as well. I think that's a yeah. That I think there's there's yeah. lots of different avenues, but I think people just need to like see that like it's not always like exactly what you think. Like yeah. I think kind of like what you guys were saying, like that there. I think there's no like wrong answer, but you just need to understand what it takes to make some of these things like actually work and that it isn't like just this sort of like backstage, you know, like yeah, party, yeah, play, yeah, yeah, party, play, party. Yeah. Cool. Everyone's got an Instagram and everyone wants to make it look perfect, but it's the behind the Instagram camera, isn't it? That's, yeah. That's what, I prefer that's, those accounts. That's what the graft is. That's yeah. where the graft is. I think I like the real life ones. That's why I always post about uh, the fact that I'll be back in a high vis jacket within 48 hours of this moment uh, <laughs> driving a van around Devon uh, because that's what we do yeah um, exactly and I think that's the thing too is that like lots of kids don't see that you know these other people are working like there's lots of guys who like you said like they finish playing the show and then they go like Mikey's a dad like he finishes playing oh, wow. the show and like he has to go like take care of his kids he flies back like every second that he can nice. so he can like Very have nice. a family and it's like maybe that's not you know as much like uh on his instagram but it's still just like what he's actually doing because yeah. yeah. he probably just puts his phone down and actually just takes care of his kids <laughs> <laughs> far more that's likely cool, 
Shall we? Uh, we should wrap up. Yeah, I gotta wrap it up because I gotta go actually play a show. Yes. We keep doing this to you, like holding you just before shows and going. This one's not so bad. I'm more like I'm feeling stiff from the ten days that we've been on tour so far. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, I gotta actually like warm up today. Well, we'll, we'll wrap it up there and then give you a rub down. Oh yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Liam, thanks very much. As always, yeah, no. Us thanks for having me on the show. Hopefully, it. I shed some light on the mysteries of the music world. Well, we'll get you back for a second one at some point and uh, let you know the feedback. My mom probably good. loved it. Cool. Cool. Real life rock stars podcast. <laughs> Sorry, Mike always gives me a, a certain signal that we're uh, a li- live and ready to go. Um, and uh, so we just happened to giggle. Um, so <laughs> that was Liam from Cancerbat. That was Liam from Cancerbat. And and uh, a cameo vocal check in the background. At the and somebody trying to get into the cabin as well. Yeah, that's what happens when you try to record a long, nice interview at a festival where yeah. there's not a lot of space and it's very noisy. Yeah, no, it's uh, uh, five minutes is normally like uh, we're a bit ninja with our timing if we can be. <laughs> yeah, in and out during sound to, or, or changeover. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> especially at Reading because it's so close. Um, anyway, so that was awesome. Like, very, very informative. I yes. thought it was very open and I'm guessing that's just because we've built up a friendship and rapport over the last 10 years of oh, yeah, for interviewing sure. him and... Um, one thing I do want to say is he really does live the proof of what he was saying is um, Artog um, Mothra photo for those wanting to um, check her out um, has benefited from Liam's attitude towards um, the way um, mm. he works with Togs and ended up getting a feature in NME uh, for a portrait shoot that she did with him uh, because he asked whether he could use it for that um, admittedly um, a bit disappointed in NME for not crediting her properly and cropping uh, the oh, watermark out yeah um, but um, I was speaking to somebody about this the other day and uh, we might be lining up and this will take us a while to get this sit down but lining up somebody that understands shall we say the the legality of this situation but without bias towards one party or another somebody who's quite um, sort of you know neurotic on the rules if you know what I mean they can really mm. work that out um, and give us the details um, but I'm, I'm in talks with them at the moment and they did say probably going to be a slow going process but it might be something that we can cover is where do TOG stand um, on um, sort of the legality of this sort of stuff but the main reason that we don't want to you know do it uh, with any bias is because we're not looking to uh, be on anybody's back for not crediting um, we've even like we've even made mistakes where we've been slamming together social media posts for an hour straight on a day which has been hard already and you forget sometimes to do the the post or you accidentally do a crop and uh, or you have to do a crop because the picture isn't Instagram sized yeah yeah uh, and then you forget to um, do the photo credit and the point is and speaking to a lot of photographers is um, a couple of uh, golden rules on this front is just you know talk to them because look what happened with uh, Liam talking to Artog he's ended up able to get an enemy feature yeah that's cool um, as well as um, you know he's uh, they've used her work on the main uh, Cancer Bats feed um, Instagram feed as well um, there are so many bits in this podcast that we could just pick yeah, up and run with and exactly we could um, use this podcast as a ideas podcast to do podcasts break from. yeah so break down that time separate... Liam said well here's 45 minutes on that exactly the other thing that Liam said here's another well we special. do have uh, these uh, <laughs> um, specials that we do the next one coming up um, and this is going to be quite a big test because this is straight out of our heads and nobody else's um, is we're going to do a social media one 
a, a basic guide to social media or a basic podcast about social media work because these these days I think we all have an understanding of uh, social media but it's some of the practices that we've come up with over time and some of the background things again to help people out out there and I'll bang on about some of the similar things I said in the press kits one as well there's certain things that if you can nail as a band Mm. you will make your life easier Um, so anyway a massive massive thanks to Liam um, for doing this one uh, we'll be sending it across uh, to him once it's up. And check out his clothing brand because there's well. some good threads. Mm. Um, and again, they always check out if a, a band that you like has a clothing brand attached to it. So again, <clears throat> shout out to Brock from 36 yes. Crazy Fists and Rise of... Is it Rise of the Something or is it... Uh, Rise of the North Star? Uh, I, I think that's a band. Mm. I think we got this wrong last time. Um, but it... Um, Watch our interview on YouTube. We haven't admittedly done uh, any research on this particular point. But he's got his own clothing line as well. Um, Quite a few bands that do. Exactly. So you can support your bands. Uh, Look where a band's merch comes from. So if you're buying stuff from While She Sleeps or asking Alexandria, you are helping the band Mm. if you buy from them direct. You're not putting money in anybody else's pockets. Go. Nothing against, you know, those kind of no, nothing high street brands that sell, that do them. There are sort of like Hot Topic and Blue Banana and those kind of alternative stores that mm. are perfect for it. But also, you know, if you're discovering bands that aren't supplied by those stores, there, there are places like uh, IndieMerchStore.com yeah. that buy up uh, end-of-line tour t-shirts and album cycle t-shirts from stores that yeah. can't sell them anymore and yeah. will sell them online. So even if you've seen a t-shirt in uh, like a hot topic or something like that yeah then you can go you know and they haven't got it in your site go to somewhere like indie merch or any of these there are quite a lot of these um websites now that do the post tour post yeah post and nine don't, don't be things. afraid to contact your bands as well if they're not like super huge and not responding to their own social media if you can't find um you know necessarily the right size because i've i've often spoke to bands where they just like well, yeah, we've got one or two left. Um, yeah, we've got like a triple XL and um, we've got a one of the, baby they, toddler they, size. they got like, because um, some people, are, like for me, I'm a very popular size and as are you, we're like the two popular, which is small and large. <laughs> generally is um, we're not going to say which one Durand is this is, a, <laughs> this is an audio podcast. This not, is an audio podcast. Not a podcast. <laughs> um, so we often um, like sort of say to people, it's like, look, don't bother giving us a, um, both t-shirts. Give us a, a large because the person that wears the large uh, will wear it. The small probably won't get worn. <laughs> um, and that's just because uh, I'm going to give it away now. But Because I, I honestly don't wear much band merch. Um, so uh, shout out to On The House the other day. They're offering a sick looking t-shirt um, in exchange for you supporting the podcast as a pay- and they're, sorry, supporting their review website as a sort of patron of it. Um, they're giving t-shirts uh, back to it but because I honestly won't wear the t-shirt and that's back stock for a band or um, an outfit like on the house I just paid the same as I would do for a t-shirt and but I didn't ask for one if that makes sense and it's like we give bands back their CDs and give them our email address and go no just digital copy us and keep that merch yeah, yeah. sell that merch uh, because we touched on it in uh, with Liam but you know you can stream a band a ton of times but you buy a t-shirt from them directly that that could be the make or break difference between them eating that day on tour. Mm. Oh, very much. Like, so. I'm not even kidding. Like um, you look at some of the um, practices and some of the memes, even. But bands, um, honestly, 
they know how to convince places like McDonald's or other shops to give them everything they're throwing away at the end of the day. They'll go to bakeries at certain times. You don't know quite how much a band has to literally starve whilst they're on tour. Which is also why I say be patient if a band looks like they're having a bad day even on a 20-minute slot. Mm. Because you don't know what they've had to face that day just to get the uh, thing there. Um, so yeah, um, some some really good stuff from Liam um, there. And you know, he also points out that it's worth it. He kept turning up, Cancer Bats kept turning up, and they've got where they are because of it. And that's awesome. Exactly. So we should probably mention that we're fueled by Fireball um, at least one more time before we sign off. In this section. Yeah, so we're fueled by Fireball. Mm. They um, took a took a chance on a lowly podcast uh, before we even launched and said that they would sponsor us. Uh, shout out to Duffy for that one. Bless. Yeah, well, he, he's been a long-time fan, industry professional, long-time fan of us. But again, this is how... The mild nepotism works as if you've proved yourself and proved that you're respectable, as again we mentioned in the podcast, and then certain certain doors are quicker to open. They're not necessarily opened due to it, but they're quicker to open. Plus we've proved our growth with all of our listeners. Yeah. So we've got to actually say thank you to everyone who's oh, listened to the podcast, shared the podcast, and just kind of in, got themselves involved and interacted and yeah. actually, you know, have challenged us on some of the things we brought up and set us little things it's like well can you bring this up in an interview if you ever speak to someone in this kind of style and things like that like my band is doing this we'd love to play with this band we know you've got access to interview them probably Mm. will be interviewing them in the next couple of months can you just ask them blah 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 yeah and we're like well that's the position we're in we can bring it up on the podcast so exactly Um, kudos to everyone that's listening because we really have kind of the numbers are really growing driving up that's a great word driving we are honestly appreciative of it because you know this this is us doing something that we love again like the radio show we love geeking out about this sort of stuff it's not like we haven't had a podcast yet that hasn't been fun to sit down and record um because we honestly do have fun but the support that you guys are showing us with it that's also Mm. just fantastic it makes it so much easier to sit here and gabble away uh, knowing that people actually will and we are going to do Listen a, to some fun ones as well. Yeah. Because <laughs> we've got, like, we're going to do our top 10 albums of the decade. Yes. Which would be interesting to tear those ones through. And we need, sort of, uh, we need this, don't we, uh, to be able to do that uh, properly on. Um, That's going to be sort of towards the end of the year. Yeah. Because there's going to be a good month where we're not going to want to do radio and podcasts and stuff, so we might as well just put one out and... It's the end of the decade, so yeah. yeah. Like, like I said on the radio show, I've already got five in mind. I just need to find another five, which you, is like... You know me, I'm going to put mine together probably in the 48 hours before we record it, because that's oh, how I Asking Alexandria's back catalogue, a couple of triviums and... Uh, yeah, bullet. Frozen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Dude, but... let it go. No, Frozen no. 2's coming out soon. I, I'm sorry, Frozen. I go for the Madonna version. Like, I'm old school oh. with my Frozen tracks, yeah. Because oh, okay. you, only, you only see what your eyes want to see. And how can life be what you want it to be when you're frozen? I mean, come on. There you go. She's the queen. I think we should leave the podcast with that. <laughs> yes. Um, we should say that we are on uh, Spotify. Uh, Acast. iTunes. SoundCloud. And, SoundCloud. and you can catch our radio show on HRH, uh, which is Hard Rock Hell Radio, Sundays 1pm to 3pm. We are on Rock Rage Radio, 10pm to 12pm Eastern Standard Time in America. 
And then our show is also available on Mixcloud um, to listen again or listen anywhere, anytime. And that's available either just mixcloud.com on desktop or there is a Mixcloud app. There is. Come check out our social media. We are active on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. And no, we don't just uh, post promotional stuff about ourselves. Yes, there's a decent look at that because (laughs) we are a radio show and a podcast. Um, But um, if you want to see what the combined uh, weirdness of our brains creates memes-wise and what we send to each other, which uh, then goes out on uh, the show's networks, some helpful mental health stuff um, and some shout-outs to um, other people in the industry worth paying attention to. Like I said, just find Mike James Rock Show on Facebook instagram or twitter we are active on all of those networks so until next time thank you for listening Alrighty, that was uh, another episode of real life rockstars podcast Hurrah! we're done fueled by fireball <laughs>